It's time for episode 336 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March 4th, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that has just enough time for you. I am one of your co-hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my dungeon pal, my good friend, and the co-host of Clockwise. It's Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well, Micah. It's the only day in the year where the date is a command. March 4th! (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Tidbit for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I am pleased to say that uh, we are, of course, joined by two awesome guests. To my left is the managing editor at Android Central, the ever-smiling Daniel Bader. How you doing, Dan? I'm very well. You can't see my face, but I am smiling at you, Micah. <laughs> Today and always. <laughs> always appreciated. Uh, and to my left, it is a senior group editor for Tom's Guide and my erstwhile boss over at Macworld. It's Philip Michaels. Welcome back, Phil. I, I would just like to point out that March 2nd is really more advice than a, mm. than, than, than a command. So. <laughs> That's a good tip. That's a good tip. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Let's uh, let somebody else go first. Uh, well, you're going to let me go first. And we have four topics. Uh, so uh, I suppose I will march forth. Uh, I'm curious. Have you ever used one of those app connect? scooters or bikes. I was in uh, San Francisco the other day uh, taking my mom to the airport. And uh, yeah, I saw a whole lot of those scooters and bikes. How do you feel about them in general, uh, if you have or even if you haven't used them? And do you think that they're sort of replacements for personal bikes and, I guess, scooters? Uh, Bader, we'll start with you. So this was interesting because I've only used it once and it was in LA back in November. And it was uh, a really fun experience. As uh, some people may know, I'm in, I live in Toronto, Canada, where it's winter, nine and a half months of the year. <laughs> so one of these, uh, you know, app connected scooters or, or, uh, bikes are, are not feasible for most of the year. But, uh, in LA, I guess you can use them all year round. So in November, wearing, Short sleeves and, uh, you know, a, a nice pair of jeans. I did not kill myself as I strolled down, uh, downtown LA. And it was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had sort of commuting. And I, and I thought the, the, the app experience from, it was Lime, I think that I used. It was, uh, it took me two minutes. And, and overall, I think it was, it was fantastic. I, I want to use it more. Yeah, I've I've used I've kind of mixed feelings about it. I've used it outside of my own city. So when I've been in San Jose for the Apple's WWDC conference, I've used them there. They're all over the place. San Jose, I feel like, is a pretty good environment for them because it's very flat. So I like the the fact that they're convenient. That it's a way for people to get around in some cities. Um, that doesn't require using things like Uber or Lyft, um, and that it's you know kind of flexible in the way that it can be picked up and used. However, uh, the business models of some of these companies where they they tend to go for sort of a uh, we're going to ask forgiveness instead of permission model uh, that got them in trouble. Where I live, they you know one day they dumped a bunch of scooters in like we're going to be in Somerville now, and Somerville's like mm and they made them take them all away, and they're now banned in my city right now. Um, but the product itself, I, I think there's a lot to be said for it. 
Phil Scooters, threat or menace? Uh, well, uh, I, I would like to make a, a, a division between the bikes and the scooters. Uh, oh. the, the bikes are fine. The scooters are a menace because <laughs> people who are willing to to, to uh, pony up to, to ride a bike, they they know how to ride a bike. They, they, if you if you don't like bike riding or don't don't feel comfortable riding a bike, you're not going to use that. Whereas with scooters, people go, "Oh yeah, I could ride that," and they and by the evidence suggests that they cannot because <laughs> you you are walking down the street and suddenly there's there's some guy plowing into you or coming up behind you and not not shouting on your left or on your right and not really knowing the etiquette. Why are they on the sidewalk? I don't mm. know. Um, so I, I like the bikes. We used to have them in my town. I think they did ask permission here and it would, it was nice if you had to be somewhere quickly and saw a bike, you could hop on it. Um, never used them myself. Um, the only rideable I've, I've ever really, uh, ridden is one of those, uh, uh, single wheel type skateboard things you control with your phone and, uh, uh, a PR person stood by me the entire time to make sure I wouldn't fall off. So um, <laughs> uh, the bikes are good. The scooters can go sink into the bay for all I care. I understand what you were saying. You know, you, you as a if you're if you're walking around, you don't really want these fast moving <laughs> devices flying by you on either side. But as a person who would consider using them, I would not use them. Because of the fact that they have to be on the street, that makes me nervous. I I'm nowhere near as big as a vehicle is. Uh, last I checked, anyway, and uh, that makes me you know nervous to be on the road with vehicles. Given how I have seen some Californians treat bikers that have existed on the streets for a long time, so I don't know. Um, until I guess we get. A bike lane, an automatic bike lane, and an automatic scooter lane, and a, a, a car lane, and maybe the car lane is going away. Who knows? Um, the app-connected scooters are not really for me. But I appreciate everyone's answers. Let's go to our next topic, which comes from Bader. I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, I had a kid 18 months ago, and since then, I haven't had a lot of free time. So every single spare minute of my free time has uh and a, a you know some sort of earbud in my right ear and i'm listening to podcasts and i'm just wondering has listening to podcasts and i assume everybody here in addition to every listener has increased the number of podcasts that they listen to on a weekly basis because that just seems to be the trend has that changed the way that you consume music because i find that it's it's been a pretty linear uh it's been a, it's a, been, a, been a pretty proportional downshift in my music listening as I've listened to more podcasts, and I now listen to music at very specific times. I listen to ambient music when I'm working. I listen to you know my my exercise playlist when I'm on the bike. I listen to you know new albums on Fridays when they are uh, available on Spotify. But really, I don't sit down and just listen to music the way that I used to. And I'm wondering if that is a similar experience to the three of you. Yeah, I I, I find that for me, it's mainly a mood-based thing. Um, I don't really like 
uh, have specific times. I mean, uh, I use them kind of interchangeably. So, you know, if I'm washing the dishes or something, I'll listen to podcasts or music, just depending on how I feel. Um, usually when I'm out and walking around, um, whether I'm going to the coffee shop or just out for sort of like a, a stroll, I will usually be listening to music because for me, it's easier to think, um, come up with ideas and stuff like that. Um, I don't actually listen to that many podcasts. And part of it is that my work really doesn't make it easy to do that. Cause if I'm writing or I'm editing podcasts or I'm recording podcasts, I'm listening to another podcast right now as I talk to you. <laughs> um, it's, it's a little prohibitive. So, um, I feel like I was never somebody who really just sat around and listened to a lot of music, um, just because I've never been the biggest, uh, music consumer, but I do find that, uh, I think, I don't think that podcast listening has necessarily diminished my music listening. And if anything, the ability to have like headphones or sound or audio, like no matter where I go, if I've got, you know, smart speakers or whatever, uh, means that I listen to more of all of these things. Phil, what about you? Well, I, I, it's very much divided into podcasts are for this and music is for that. When I'm working, I have to listen. I have music. I can't have people uh, uh, talking in my ear, uh, uh, especially if I'm I'm writing or editing. And occasionally, I'll put iTunes on shuffle, and a spoken word thing will come up, either from a live album or a comedy album that I have in my iTunes library, and I'll dive for the fast forward button. <laughs> and, and that seems to actually make iTunes go, "Oh, you didn't like that spoken word thing? Let me serve up about twenty more on shuffle." <laughs> Uh, so iTunes, uh, iTunes resents and hates me. But whereas podcasts, I'll do those when I'm I'm cooking. I'll do those when I'm 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 out for a, a walk or exercising. I'll do that when I'm uh, uh, doing the dishes. And and music doesn't work then because if a song comes on shuffle that I I want to fast forward through, then I have to stop washing the dishes and r- remove my iPhone and hit the fast forward button. And that and that doesn't work. So yeah, it's it's definitely. Um, the rise of podcasts has 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 created this. This time is for listening to people talk, and this time is for listening to music. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a cake decorating business, and I would make cakes all the time. And because of that, you know, you're, you're shaping the cakes into pandas and and um, palm trees and all sorts of different things that different people wanted, and you start by sort of uh, having eating the little trimmings that you take off of the cakes. And then suddenly you just don't like cake anymore. And you go through a period of time where you never eat cake anymore because you know how the cake is made. And that is how I am with pod. I don't listen. I don't listen to podcasts. Um, I, I do my podcasts are my life in, in so many ways. Uh, so I don't listen to podcasts. I do listen to audiobooks and I listen to music. Um, so I guess not listening to podcasts has altered the way I consume music in the sense that I consume a lot more music and, uh, audiobooks than I used to. Before podcasts were my full time jobby job, it's a real it's a real cobbler has no shoes kind of situation. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> precisely. That's so wild, uh, Bader. What about you? Yeah, I, I guess I just I it when I was thinking about this question, it didn't even. I do one podcast a week, right? So for me, it's it's an hour of my time. But you, you know, Dan and, and Micah, you guys spend hours listening or creating podcasts every week. And I, I didn't really consider that if that's your job, then you don't really want to spend your spare time listening to other people talking in your ear. I guess audiobooks are a little different. Um, but yeah, I listen to, I, I listen to a, 
eight or nine podcasts regularly. Um, I religiously every week I will not miss them. I probably spend 20 to 30 hours a week listening to podcasts and it really has eaten into my music time. But I was the guy in university you would come to, to be like, okay, what album should I listen to? It didn't matter what genre. I was the person who was up on every single new album. Uh, and it, you know, it seems it, I miss that guy. I miss that part of myself, but I just don't see, a, a, a good way to balance it. You know, there's just so much spare time I have and I just cannot justify listening to music when there are so many amazing podcasts to consume every week, including this one. Yeah, I was going to say, we're glad <laughs> that those of you out there are consuming this podcast and uh, we have reached halftime. So we'll take a little break here so I can tell you about Linode. Uh, whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode's got the pricing, they've got the support, they've got the scale you need to take your project to the next level. Uh, Linode has 11 data centers worldwide, including its newest data center in Sydney, Australia, and with its enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage option, and its next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a surprisingly good price. You can get started on Linode today with a $20 credit for listeners of this show right here. Nanode plans start as low as 5 bucks a month. They've got GPU compute plans that are suitable for AI, for machine learning, and for video processing. There's native SSD storage. They've got that 40 gigabit network and industry-leading processors, plus a revamped cloud manager built on an open-source single-page app, plus so much more. If you head to linode.com slash clockwise and use promo code clockwise2020 when creating a new Linode account, you're going to get $20 towards your next project. Oh, and by the way, Linode is hiring right now. So if that's something that seems of interest to you, go ahead and head to linode.com slash careers to find out more. Once more, that's linode.com slash clockwise with the promo code clockwise2020 for that $20 credit. Thanks so much to Linode for its support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, Dan Morin, what have you got for us? So uh, Google I.O. has joined the ranks of tech conferences that have been canceled due to fears about the coronavirus, including uh, GDC, Facebook's upcoming developer conference, one of Microsoft's conference, uh, many more. And of course, people are speculating about uh, Apple's WWC as well. Uh, my question for you is, uh, does this signal sort of a shift? Is this the end of the era of the big developer conference or the tech trade show uh, obviously, Apple pulled out of Macworld Expo more than a decade ago, and that really caused that show to kind of collapse. So uh, is this going to be a long-standing effect, or is this sort of just a temporary pause? I know many of us uh, have covered many of these types of conferences, so I'm curious about your feelings on that. Phil? Uh, the best kind of answer, yes and no. Um, <laughs> it, it, for developer conferences, I think um, there is value in still having those be in-person affairs, especially something like a uh, worldwide developer conference where uh, the value is not necessarily uh, Tim Cook and company getting up on stage and talking for two hours. The value is the labs and the hands-on time and, and, and the developers actually getting to uh, talk and interact with people at Apple who can help them through their problems. I, it's, it's the same way with events like Microsoft Build, which is as of now still scheduled, and Google I.O., which is going to move online. And I, I, I don't think that will be as effective. Uh, uh, for people, uh, the trade shows I can see going away. I, I, 
I realize that there's uh, deal making uh, done at those shows that that folks like us are not privy to. But in terms of product events and meetings, those don't necessarily need to all be crammed into the course of a week uh, in in Barcelona, as lovely as Barcelona is. Or uh, uh, certainly CES uh, could be half the size that it is. Um, so I, I, I see the big trade shows probably uh, dialing back a bit. I think there's still going to be room for the developer conferences. This is a thing that's happening right now, but I don't necessarily believe that it's going to impact the 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 idea of these conferences as a whole i think that um unless there's some sort of realization that oh man this was so much better to do not in person um people especially when you consider the number of people uh, of which uh, mr morin is one who are uh, remote workers who are you know who work from home or who uh, sort of don't have to go into an office. These events are times to meet up with uh, some of the the folks that you've made friends with over the internet. And I mean, I don't know about you, but a lot of my friends are internet people who I hope are real. And <laughs> these are the only times when I have the opportunity to reaffirm that they are indeed real people. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna parrot Philip a little bit. I think the answer is yes and no. I think. There was a time as we were leading up to Google I or to uh, W sorry MWC rather too many acronyms here uh, where a lot of the big companies had canceled their keynotes but had maintained their schedules for private briefings and I think that was the right compromise you know companies spend a lot of money on these massive booths and these big keynotes and they invite hundreds or thousands of people to cram into a room and nobody pays attention because they're all tweeting snarky things at one another and i think those are the kinds of those bombastic aspects of trade shows can go away forever i don't think anybody at least in the media will miss them i do think that as micah said there is so much value in seeing your buds trying to make connections in the industry and and just uh you know getting better relationships with sources these are the kinds of things that i really value from a MWC or a WWDC or a Google I.O. that I will severely miss sitting in my chair watching the keynote uh, remotely. I think you guys uh, are are right. The developer conferences have a lot to offer beyond just the sort of uh, the stuff that you can catch on the live stream or on video later. That said, I think it will be interesting to watch these uh, companies adapt to that because the other issue has always been, you know, there are lots of there are more people who are interested in going to these things uh, than can actually be accommodated. And so, you know, obviously that's the reason that these videos of these sessions get posted and the like, but there may still be some things that could be changed and updated to allow more access uh, for more people, which also makes it, you know, broader, more diversity, more inclusion, because you don't have to pony up the money to go there or try to get a scholarship or something like that. So I think adapting to that is smart. I also think this isn't going to be the last kind of this challenge that we see, not just in terms of some sort of, you know, pandemic. Hopefully these don't become the regular 
popular now, but when you're taking into consideration things like climate change and having, you know, thousands of people fly uh, to get where you're going, you know, that's something that has to be thought about more uh, in these upcoming years as well. Well, since we're talking about coronavirus, let's uh, change gears and talk about coronavirus. <laughs> Specifically, um, at Tom's Guide, we do a lot of reporting on upcoming phones. People want to know what uh, kind of uh, features that they can plan for. And one of the things we've been noticing lately is that a lot of the rumors coming out of the supply chains in Asia, particularly for Apple's uh, uh, rumored phone releases, is that they uh, uh, might be delayed due to uh, production slowdowns uh, relating to the coronavirus. Obviously, this is the uh, maybe one of the least important issues surrounding uh, that when, when people's health, health is concerned. But I wanted to know what impact you think coronavirus is going to have on this year's phone releases. Uh, well, definitely, it's it's leading to some delays on things. I could see uh, different companies choosing to shelve some features that would take uh, more time. Specifically, I think about um, when Apple first released the iPhone 10 and the way they were doing the OLED screens with the uh, phone sort of curving around the edges. There were lots of of screen there were lots of displays that they ended up having to you know trash get rid of and uh the what is it called the output was lower essentially um things like that i could see becoming an issue where if they're looking at the the time frame and they go okay well we wanted to experiment with this new technology but we really don't have that much time uh then they may not uh, go all out for it of course, these companies pay these factories a lot of money, and the contracts are very specific and um, sort of account for many things. But this is one that's kind of hard to account for. So I don't know. Most of this for me is is a, a watch and wait kind of thing. But I do think that overall, it's going to lead to, at the very least, delays. Bader, what do you think? The question is going to be different uh whether you're asking about hardware or software. So hardware, you know, this these are devices that have very long lead times, 18 months to two years, probably more for some companies like Apple and Samsung. Um, and if they have a diversity of manufacturing facilities, you know, Samsung produces phones in Vietnam and Korea, in some parts of China and India, you know, those that's going to be very helpful to a big company. Um, and, you know, Apple relies predominantly on Chinese manufacturing. We've already seen temporary closures and reopens. Um, and, and that'll continue, I think, throughout the year as the ebb and flow of this infection hits certain parts of the world, just like any flu. I think from a software perspective, it'll come down to how far along these major software updates were when the coronavirus hit uh, in a big way. So, you know, around January, I started hearing from some of my sources that minor to medium-sized software updates would be delayed or canceled because of the the fact that people were now remotely working. They didn't have access to the Q, the, the quality control tools that they were using in their offices, and just they weren't able to coordinate as well as they used to. I would imagine that, say, iOS 14 will definitely hit normal time period, but uh, whether or not it'll have as many features shipping on day one, that's the question that that I would put to somebody 
like Dan, who might have a bit more context there. <laughs> yeah, it's always hard to know with the software stuff because Apple plays its cards so close to the vest that it may not... It's hard to tell if that's the effect of the coronavirus or just something they had planned to do all along, right? Like, you can't necessarily suss those two things out, um, but I'm sure a lot of people will attribute uh, those kinds of effects to it. Um, on the hardware side, we're months away from the iPhone, the new iPhones, and I'll come back to that in a second, um, going out the door. So it's, I think, too early to say for sure, but certainly not just the manufacturing of it, but even just the shipping of it and getting it into various countries around the world could be severely impacted. Uh, I think there is a big interesting question about this so-called uh, iPhone SE 2 that's been rumored to show up at the end of this month. A um, lot of questions there about what kind of scale they'll be able to produce that at uh, and how far along it is. And I think there's a good chance that there will be impacts from it um, but they may not be severe. They may be the kind of thing where Apple announces something and says, you know, it ships in two weeks instead of it ships right now. Uh, or they, they say quantities will be limited and, you know, we'll kind of ramp it up as we go. Um, but I think that's a that's a, definitely a problem that a lot of companies are going to have to deal with this year is the fact that so much of their supply chain is in a place that got very heavily hit by this particular virus. Phil, any last thoughts? Well, yeah, as, as Dan said, I think your biggest impact is going to be on the... Uh, the phones uh, that are coming out in the the, the springtime summertime uh, time frame. Um, unfortunately, those are tend to be the budget models. We talked about the 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 rumored iPhone SE successor, which is likely to be called the iPhone Nine, if you believe the latest rumors. Um, the Pixel Four A may not be as impacted because uh, reports are that Google has. Uh, uh, put production of that phone in Vietnam as opposed to China, which is uh, uh, either less impacted by the coronavirus outbreak or not impacted um, at all. So, yeah, I think it might be too early to say for the fall, although I'm sure that uh, phone makers are beginning to get nervous. The next uh, few months will be very interesting in terms of uh, uh, hardware that comes out. Uh, well, folks, I do have a bonus question for you. But before we get there, I want to tell you about Devon Think. We're bringing you this episode of Clockwise, the flagship product from Devon Technologies. It's a professional document and information management application for the Mac that helps you collect, file, organize, edit, and annotate all kinds of documents without ever leaving the app. You can place live web pages like documents loaded in Google Docs seamlessly next to local files. You can organize documents in groups and subgroups. You can tag them or both, whichever suits your workflow. DevonThink has a ton of useful features. There's smart groups that let you create different views on your data. There's integrated AI that assists you with filing and searching. You can archive all your email with the enhanced email archiver and scan your paper documents. There's flexible sync support for iCloud, for Dropbox, for any uh, web dev server, and direct connections with everything securely encrypted. You can create smart rules and add flexible reminders to any document. They let even non-programmers easily automate many parts of the workflow. So you can delegate the boring, repeating tasks to DevonThink. And DevonThink 3 has a beautiful modernized user interface and dark mode support. The iOS companion app is available so you can take it on the go. And of course, a completely rewritten web interface makes it ideal for small to medium-sized teams. Get 10% off DevonThink 3 or upgrade to it 
right now, you just head to devontechnologies.com slash clockwise. That's D-E-V-O-N technologies.com slash clockwise for 10% off. Thanks so much to DevonThink for their support of this show and all of Relay. All righty, my question for you. It's a simple one, but boy, is it an interesting one. What's the weirdest food you've ever eaten? Bader, we'll start with you. So when I was four years old, I uh, I don't remember this, but I was told that I ate alligator tail on a train going from Johannesburg to Cape Town in South Africa. And um, I got so sick that I had to... <laughs> that I was bedridden for about a week. <laughs> so apparently the alligator tail was not cooked well, but apparently it is a delicacy that uh, if cooked properly is quite delicious and tastes like chicken. Uh, I, yeah, most unusual thing. I mean, weird is kind of a, a, a tricky thing to pin down, but I will say I was in Portugal four or five years ago uh, and went out to a restaurant and ordered squid, which I, you know, I love calamari. It's great. And I was presented with an entire squid. <laughs> and oh when God. I went to cut into it, I literally like the ink, like, spl- like shot out of it onto the floor of the <gasps> oh restaurant. And I just looked around and didn't look like anybody had seen me. So I just kept on eating. We buy an entire pig, an entire cow when we when we do our, our meat shopping. In addition to the lovely uh, uh, T-bones and uh, uh, tenderloins that you get, you also get organ meat. So I have eaten a, a river of liver and uh, <laughs> uh, 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 all sorts of uh, uh, various hearts and various uh, 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 menudo and uh, what have you. The weirdest food I've eaten is one that I drank and that was uh, Kopi Luwak coffee. Uh, this is where there's a, a cat sort of creature called the Kopi Luwak, and it eats coffee beans and then poops them out. And um, in the digestive system, <laughs> it is uh, sort of the acids are taken out of it, and then the coffee beans become really good when roasted and turned into coffee thank you all for your interesting answers for the weirdest food you've ever eaten and uh, thank you for another excellent episode of clockwise we just want to thank our guests of course daniel bader managing editor at android central thanks so much for coming back on the show thanks for having me and philip michaels thank you so much for being here always a pleasure and micah we will be back next week but until then we remind everybody listening out there watch what you say and keep watching that clock bye everybody (laughs) 